But here's the thing. If you're chasing perfection, you could be chasing that the rest of your life and it's never going to actually happen. At the end of the day, the best thing you can do, if you know you have a message that's going to help somebody, get it out there as early, as quick as possible and consistently as you can. And that's, again, that's really what adds the value. People will forgive you for lack of quality if the content itself is good and is actually helpful. It's not every day that you make friends with the person on the other end of a sales call. But that is just how I got to know our guest today. And that is a huge testament to how authentic and value-oriented he is. Today, I talk with Alex Sanfilippo, the founder of podmatch.com, a podcast guest and host matching service that helps authenticate and simplify finding the most aligned people to have conversations with on podcasts. Alex also shares with us his journey of discovering who he is, how he picked himself up during a rock bottom moment, and the big realization he made about value versus ego, and how that pivot in mindset really changed his approach to everything he did thereafter. It's the reason I love this guest. And the value he brings when he shares about what he does best, which is creating a brand, also the name of his podcast, by the way, is something you don't want to miss. Here's my conversation with Alex. Hi, welcome back. This is Barcy, your host of Be Bold Begin. And firstly, I hope you've been enjoying our season focusing on podcasting and creating space to amplify your voice and your creative message, because that is what I believe podcasting is all about. And our guest today has created something along with his co-founder that helps podcasters do that even better. And I'm, I'm talking about the connection piece and the amplifying your voice and message piece. The idea of the company, it's called Podmatch. And he describes it as a dating app for podcast hosts and guests, but better. And it's designed to help match podcasts, podcasters and podcasts with guests and vice versa. And I, I really like this idea and I really like our guest today. He's also very good at creating a brand, which doubles as the name of his podcast, Creating a Brand. So we're going to dive into how you can be intentional and create your own brand for yourself or a creative business or a podcast that you might want to begin or that you might have going on right now. My guest today is Alex Sanfilippo. Welcome, Alex. Hey, Barcy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for agreeing to join me here and, and, and do a deep dive and talk about all the wonderful things that, that you've done and that you're doing. Absolutely. I'm really excited to be here because for many reasons. One, you have a really great show that I listen to myself, but also you've helped me out in the industry. A lot of podcasting You've been a great connection for me. And Barcy, you have my favorite female voice in podcasting. Absolutely love it. So I think it's one of the reasons I enjoy your, your podcast so much. It's just, it's, it's, it's very nice. So good for oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that so much. You have a wonderful podcast voice as well, I must say. I, I've been listening to your podcast and I really enjoy your, your cadence, your tempo, your, your just approach in general. It's, it's the reason the, the way you talk about topics, the way you approach things, it's the reason I want you here. It's the reason I connected with you in the beginning when we first talked, which was actually kind of funny because I don't know that everyone makes connections with the guy that sends them a random email uh, blast about their business. <laughs> so, probably not. <laughs> you probably know more about that because you're you're doing that now, and I'm sure you're making lots of connections that way. But I, I read all of those because po the podcast industry is still pretty new and people are coming up with wonderful 
things and, and widgets and ways and companies to make things better, easier, more, um, you know, streamlined, all of that. So I actually sit and read all of those emails that I get. And uh, you asked me if if you thought it sounded like a robot because you said that people <laughs> think that. I did and ask I, that. And I honestly did. And I was glad to hear that you actually wrote that email yourself because then speaking to you, it's it's so funny because you're such an intuitive, down-to-earth person so it's funny to see an email that, that looks robotic from you. <laughs> so I've improved over time. If you got that email from me today, not that it's the same for everybody, but I've, I've tweaked the way that I actually speak in emails. And I can't blame anyone other than myself for the way I write emails. But I did do 15 years in big corporate, uh, publicly traded company. We had certain words we just weren't even allowed to use, right? So like I was uh. really very, like I guess, narrow-minded when it came to the way I wrote emails. And I've been doing my best to like just break that uh, 15 year cycle that I've been in on how I write emails. And uh, I've improved more and more. I just finished writing a book called digital. Oh, sorry. Re- I said writing. I said, I meant reading a book called digital body language. And it just talks about how people are actually perceiving us really a great read helped me a lot. Uh, even sent emails and then would like go back to the person before they even respond and say, Hey, sorry, I meant to say to try to clear it up a little bit. So I'm a work <laughs> in progress, but I do oh appreciate that you responded. I did that so much at the beginning of starting a business. I constantly had to go back and be like, I'm sorry, that's not, first of all, (laughs) sent it to the wrong person. Second of all, (laughs) it's not what I meant to say. (laughs) Like, it was such a learning process for me as well, which is probably why I bring it up because it resonated with me. It was like, oh, yeah, I totally struggled with that. I don't know if it's improved. I think I've just stopped worrying about it as much. Well, I should ask the people I email. But uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) as you did, which again, struck me as such a wonderful, humble way to get to know someone. It's like, hey, you read my email. What do you think? Like, I wasn't expecting to talk about anything outside of whatever you were offering. And and that was really refreshing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think everyone is getting a tone of like how this might go. It's going to be refreshing, I think. Um, So all that said, Alex, we're kind of talking about your company a little bit. So I want to get into you know, how you started and, and how you created uh, the things way before this even and your story. But since we're already on the topic, can you just tell us a little bit in your words what Podmatch is? Yeah, sure. So Podmatch, like you said earlier, is a service that connects podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. And the idea was to help make that process more streamlined. We've all used LinkedIn or even Instagram to DM people and be like, hey, will you be on my podcast? Or, hey, can I be on your podcast? And that sometimes works, but often you're finding the wrong people. It's really tough to find that really ideal fit. And so we want to create something that would actually pull from different sets of criteria that you put into your profile. So you actually know if, if it's a good fit or not. You can tell very quickly. So occasionally I have people who reach out to me still on on LinkedIn is a big one, actually. They'll, they'll reach out and I'll be like, hey, do you have a Podmatch profile? They'll say yes. So we'll go over there and look at it. And you can tell pretty quick we have a percentage match. You can tell that like we're not a, we're not a match at all. And recently, we had somebody do that. He he speaks to PhDs and people going through higher education. I'm neither of those things. I'm probably as far opposite as you can get. And so he realized he's like, "Hey, sorry, I reached out to you. I didn't mean to waste your time." Now that I look at Podmatch, I can tell we're not even a good fit. So the idea is, can we kind of streamline some of that process and the way it works? And and that's what we set out to do. And we've been able to do that. And the whole idea is, can we get good content out to people to consume? faster and it's, it's considered better content because to me independent podcasts are really like the last free voice that the world has at this point in my mind so i want to make sure that we make a way for that to happen very easy and as painless as possible 
I love that. That's so in alignment with why I'm in this business as well. It's all about the free voice. It's about creating more opportunities for those that had barriers before to have less barriers and to have a voice. I think we get a much better picture of each other and the world, how to solve problems, how to grow, how to evolve when that happens. And I'm all about like, get this barrier out of here and how can we keep it down? And that's my mission for sure as, as a person in the podcasting industry. So I so appreciate you saying that and building what you're building from that perspective. I think that's very honorable and obviously aligns with what I believe in. So thank you for sharing that. How, so I read that you had this, you were kind of struck with this idea while working out, like doing some cardio. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it goes back a little further than that. So I actually went to, uh, and you know, it's funny, I've heard some of your past guests say this even. I think I was just listening to an episode that you did with, uh, I'm blanking on her on her name. I think it was Laura Robbins, maybe, was her name? Laura Cathcart Robbins. Yeah, that yeah, just okay. released this week. So she was talking about the same conference in that episode, which was, a, by the way, real quick, that was a fantastic episode. Everyone should go back and listen to that if you've not heard it. So, Thank you. Um, anyway, so she was talking about PodFest, and uh, I was actually at an in-person PodFest event. So it's a podcasting conference, about 2,000 people there. And while I was there, I, I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm about to go on stage, and no matter if you're a good or bad speaker, people are going to line up to talk to you afterwards because podcasters are nice people and they're going to encourage you. So there's about <laughs> 2,000 people there. I told her I'm going to get information from as many of them as I can to find out what they're struggling with in podcasting. Like, what is the pain point for them? And I had a bunch of people line up and about 100 of them said the same thing. They said that I'm struggling to find ideal guests for my show. It was interesting. Was at that conference, I met other people that were there that weren't podcasters. They were there because they just released a book or a new online course or were launching a business. And they wanted to be on podcasts to talk about what they were creating and how it could serve people. So while I was there, me being the genius that I am, I still had no ideas. So, um, and now <laughs> going to the workout thing, I came home and this was like the week before the pandemic. I mean, this was the first week of March 2020 is when this conference happened. So I came home and the whole world shut down. So I'm now working on my back porch and I was actually doing a, <laughs> I was doing a kettlebell workout. So I had like some equipment at home. So I was using a kettlebell and for some reason, just while I was doing that, like it, it literally just hit me. And I don't mean the kettlebell, like I mean the idea actually just hit me <laughs> oh, in that God. moment, right? Um, I didn't drop it on myself, but like it, it just hit me and I, I ran inside and where, I'm at, where we're recording right now behind the screen that I have here is um, a wall of whiteboards and I just whiteboard out the whole idea and that same night I was like still thinking about it and I had a friend come over who was uh, recently single. So he's having a good time playing on Hinge was the dating app he was using and he was just mm. sitting there using it right in front of me. So I was like, hey can I see that? And he's like, why do you want to see it? I'm like, I think I have an idea that maybe something like that could work for podcasters. So he showed me how everything works. It was very interesting. Long story short, I contacted an old friend of mine that same night who I I had worked with on a uh, project previously, and he's a software developer. And he just happened to have like two days before that, he finished up a project that he'd been working on for years and said, yeah, I've got availability. Like if we want to do something together, let's do it. So we drafted up some quick documentation each of us put $2,500 into an account. So we had 5000 total bootstrapped with that. And the rest is kind of history. But that was where the idea came from. It was me seeing a problem that podcasters were having and wanted to create a solution for it. Uh, that's amazing. And uh, I think I've shared with you before, I had, I had a similar idea. So I was really excited to see that someone had put action to it. I I didn't have the right partner to make it happen. So who is your partner? Let's give him a shout out. Yeah, Jesse Hunter. The guy is a rock star. I mean, most brilliant developer you'll ever meet. He's also a family man. He's a he's a, he's got three kids and a wife, and they are currently like as we're recording this, they went cross country from Florida all the way to California to go hang out with her sister and family. So they, they took they took oh their my. their uh, their SUV, I guess, 
and did the cross country, which three little kids, I don't know how they're doing it. But anyway, Jesse is a rock star. I absolutely love that guy. We, we work really well together, and we knew that because we worked together previously. It was kind of like a dream to do something like this together. So it's just been amazing. He's a great, great guy to work with. That is so nice to hear because it makes all the difference. The yes, partner really piece does. really does. I mean, it doesn't mean your business dies. Sometimes you can go off and do your own, do it on your own or whatever. But to have someone there, especially with for entrepreneurs or anyone starting something, it's lonely. And so it's nice to have a great partner who's doing who's doing the stuff you don't do and vice versa. So that's a nice, it sounds like it's a really nice fit. Oh, it really is. You know, it's funny. We talked about this. So I've known him for about 12 years when we're recording this. He was in my wedding nine years ago. Um, so oh. I've known him for a long time. About 10 years ago, we talked about one day we're going to do like we're the dream team. Like we're, we're a few group of guys we all like that we've known for that long that we all said one day we'd work together. So it's really cool to actually see that happen so many years later. But uh, it's always been like in the in the minds of all of us to be like, yeah, eventually we're going to get to that point. And we just happen to be there now. So here we are. It's just the right timing. I love that. Very yeah. cool. Okay. And he's the tech side, is that correct? Yep. So he's a technical co-founder. So he does all the development work. He works alongside with the UX person that we've just contracted. But yeah, as far as the actual design of the product, he's the guy who's actually been able to make it happen. I can throw it on a whiteboard really well. And somehow he translates that into some sort of code that does something on the internet. So that's Fantastic. you guys just know how technical I am, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of technical, can you define what a UX person is? I'm so sorry. Yes. So user experience. So that I never I didn't even know this before I went into this, but like a developer isn't a user experience person. The user experience person is the look and feel of it on a website. So like where buttons goes, how you determine uh, that. So yeah. it's funny when we initially me and him just gave it a shot, me and Jesse. And when we hired this UX guy who we just contracted through Fiverr, he's brilliant by the way. When we were showing him the website, he, they're very, he's very blunt. Wherever he's I can't remember exactly where he's from, but they just say it how it is. And he was, I was like showing him, was, oh, no, this is terrible. And I show him, they'd be like, oh, no, 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 you don't want to do that. I'm like, well, we're already doing that. And there's 12,000 people using it. So help us fix it. Anyway, yeah. so he's been able to translate in a way that relocates things to a place that actually apparently makes sense to the human mind. And almost everything he's done has been funny. We're both like, oh, that makes way more sense. Oh but we God. just tried it on our own. But anyway, that, that's kind of like the, the team that's working on it right now. Is he accepting more business? One for yes. myself. Second, <laughs> yeah. I can put him in the show notes and and hit, and people can hit him up if they need websites built. Yeah, so he, he's a, he's through Fiverr. So really, just looking through that, I don't I don't even think it gives me his actual name. It just gives me a user, but I can happily ha, share. Okay, it, so. well, we can throw in his username or a, and a Fiverr link or something because I think I think Fiverr is a great resource and it, it can yeah. be overlooked and it, depending on what it is that you need. Some things are better than others, but. When, when when there's a great find, I like to try to give that person more business. And, Definitely, yeah. Thank you for and, that. That's cool. And share it with the community because it's it feels like you're wading through the abyss sometimes on Fiverr as well. So <laughs> and I did that. I filtered <laughs> through a lot to find this guy. So yeah. All right. All that said, I do want to hear more about your story. So can you just just tell us a little bit about your background? Where I know you're in Florida now. Is that where you grew up? Yeah. So I'm actually born and raised in the same area I'm in. So Jacksonville, Florida surrounding area. And I've just, it's funny, the older I've gotten, I've just moved closer and closer to the beach. I don't know if I'll ever end up on it. I don't know if I want that because apparently it's a lot of maintenance, but I'll keep on getting closer and closer to it. But uh, I, I love living in Florida. I love living in this city. It's not one of like the major cities in Florida. I think it's like the fifth biggest maybe, or maybe fourth, but regardless, it's, it's nice. Cause it's kind of got a smaller town feel to it. So it's been a great place for me to be. And I've just, I've done a lot over the years in this city. I did 15 years, as I said, in corporate and that was actually in the aerospace industry. So that's my whole background really is the aerospace industry. 
and really enjoyed that. So before people think that I'm like a skydiver, an astronaut, or a fighter pilot, <laughs> I wasn't any of those things. I worked on a computer the whole time. We were a parts manufacturer. So we were a manufacturing firm, and I ran, worked my way up over the years. I started as a part-time receiving clerk when I was fresh out of high school. But uh, I worked my way up to a senior director at the company. And uh, so I managed five different departments. I had managers working under me, and I just did my best to build my side of the organization. And we were responsible for profit margins and for processes to make sure we're making money and doing it efficiently. So that is like my professional background, if you will. And I can dive more into personal if you want, but I'll kind of let you weigh in there for a second. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thanks thanks for sharing that. And that, that was another thing that caught my attention when we first talked, because my dad was in aerospace for 45 years. He's now retired. And uh, anytime anyone mentions aerospace, my ears perk up and I'm always very curious, you know, which company or what did you do or what position or, you know, like right. I have, he shared a lot with me growing up. So it's just a fun sort of like interest that's now just an interest of mine, anything aerospace and time travel related, which is. <laughs> <laughs> I never done anything time travel related. When you figure that one out, let me know. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I convinced myself I did once, but we won't, we, that's in my, my fiction story. So there, okay. there you have it. It's fiction. <laughs> so now I digress, but okay. So I did not grow up in corporate. I don't have a corporate background. I'm just curious, how does someone work up from such a entry level position to something so prestigious like you did over the course of what seems like a short time to me? Yeah. I mean, it didn't feel like a short time, but, um, you know, you think, <laughs> you know, when you think about a career as a whole, yeah, I was, I was very accomplished. I was the youngest senior director at the company for, for a while, like by a long shot. Um, mm-hmm. but it was one of those things I just really showed up and did my best to learn as much as I could. So like to show up, to do my job, but also to be curious, to learn, to make recommendations along the way, any opportunity that presents itself, I just went for. And I maybe have like a little bit of like workaholic inside. Like I think my mm-hmm. dad might've been as well, but so like I, I wasn't, I wasn't done at 40 hours. Let's put it that way. Like if someone's like, hey, you want to do this extra project? I wouldn't like, forget that. I'm done. 40 hours is up. I was like, yeah, I would love that opportunity. Yeah, I'd love to do mm-hmm. this. So I just kept on, I wouldn't say take on more, but I strategically just kind of did the right projects. And strangely enough, if I get into this, uh, Barcy, I I wasn't great at a lot of things as a kid that most kids are good at. Like I wasn't necessarily good at sports and uh, my brothers were musicians. I have three younger brothers. I never really had that ability, and I wasn't good at video games. Like all these mm-hmm. things that most kids like, at least are good at one or two of them, right? I wasn't really good at any of those, but I learned at a young age that like business made a lot of sense to me. So like when I was doing school, the only things that ever like got me excited as a kid in school was when it was like, here's a company and here's like a math equation that they're struggling with. Like I enjoyed those problems and solving those things even as a kid. So when I got into business, like it just it made sense to me the way it ran. And a lot of people that were in those positions I was in, especially when I got started, a part-time receiving clerk, all they knew was the function they were doing. To me, it made sense why I was doing this function because it hit these other four departments. And if we did this, it might be better for one of them up that chain, right? And so like, I knew those things about the, the business that many some people just couldn't see. And for some reason, that's just always been there for me. And I, I can't necessarily explain it, but I've definitely done my best to hone that craft any chance I get and develop it further. That's so fascinating. And, and thank you for bringing that up about your about your childhood and how that sort of plugged in for you. I'm hearing that you're connected to the why. You said you know, you understood why or where things fit together. That's that's very next level thinking. And I think a lot of adults struggle with that as well. So the fact oh, yeah. that you tapped into that so young is is fascinating. And also I'm hearing the strategy, the strategicness of that and the the idea that, you know, business is about solving problems. So it feels like you just got it. Like you understood, oh, 
if I understand how and why this is here and how it's going to solve all of these problems, then I just need to do the strategy part and then we're good. <laughs> right. You know, and I'm not going to say like I've always gotten this perfect. Like I for sure have made plenty of mistakes along the way, plenty of failed attempts. But I think that that's just part of being an entrepreneur. Like you have yeah. to try things and you're not going to hit it right every time. And that's something that we just internally have to be okay with. We can't let it defeat us. So I mm-hmm. want to make sure that's clear to everyone listening that I'm not some guy who like everything I do touches, like everything I touch turns to gold. Like that's just not the case. But right. things have worked more and more over the years as I've, I've gone on in this, I guess, pattern of entrepreneurship and having that mindset. Even when I was in corporate, I had an entrepreneurial mind in it. You did based on the way that you approached that. So I've, I have so many questions. I'm trying to think which direction <laughs> I want to go in with this. But um, sticking to your childhood, when was that? When did that click happen for you? How did you make that discovery? And, and what did that feel like to finally go, oh, this is what I'm good at? Yeah, this is a story people actually really enjoy. And now I look back and it kind of makes me laugh a little bit. But uh, when I was 10, I was out front of our house. I was out there with my, I have three younger brothers, like I said, so probably some of my brothers and some neighborhood kids. Anyway, we had a golf course across the street. So we were playing on the golf course, which we were never supposed to do. But anyway, we were playing down by the lake and stuff. And I, I, I found a golf ball and I just picked it up and looked at it. And some golfer was driving by and he goes, hey, kid, he goes, what kind of golf ball is that? And I just looked at it. It said Titleist Pro V1. And he goes, if I give you three dollars, will you give me that ball? So I was like, OK. So he gave me three dollars. I gave him the ball and light bulb moment as a 10 year old kid. The other guys were like, cool, you got three dollars. My head, I'm like, are there more golf balls? And will more golfers give me money for them. And so at 10, I decided that we would go buy, I got, I convinced my parents to buy me a, a golf ball retriever, which literally is just like a long pole with something you can scoop a golf ball up with. So we started getting out of lakes. I, I told my brothers I need their help or some of them, some of them were too young, but some of my brothers and some of our friends, I'm like, Hey, let's go grab some of these golf balls. Let's clean them up. And let's sit out here at the seventh tee box, because I feel like most of them have lost their golf balls by then. And let's see if we can sell them golf balls. And believe it or not, we built a business out of that. There was four of us, and each of us, it was funny, we were making about $100 every Saturday morning uh, with just each three or four or hours. To- no, each. Of- oh, my each. gosh. I mean, every golfer came by because we cleaned them up nice. We got rid of the bad ones, and we were making money doing that. So we built a business and kind of kept the production running. So we had people that were always looking for golf balls. We had people that were always cleaning them, and we had people that were always selling them and organizing them and keeping them like in the, the buckets that they belong in. We, we learned the values of them. And I learned a lot about sales from that because some of these people, although they were you know, 10 times my age felt like, I mean, they weren't hundred years old, but they were, they were much older. They would try to like rip you off as a kid and try to trick you. So I learned really quick how to like to do well. Uh, but anyway, so that was my, my first introduction to business. And that's really when I had the realization. So I was 10, I did that from about 10 to 12. After that, you're not cute anymore and you can't get away with selling somebody a golf ball. But, um, <laughs> but you know, for a couple of years, it was a really cool business and a cool opportunity for us. Wow. So what were you the kid that was like, I, I know what I'm going to be when I grow up. Or th- were you? Th- did you think of things like that? Do you remember what you wanted? I, I really never did. I just knew that I was really attracted to the idea of business. Like I, and that, that's super general. But as a kid, like I really had no idea where that would take me. If you would have told me I would be in podcasting at this point, which didn't exist back then, or that I'd be like a, a public speaker who travels around, I would not have believed that by any means. Because I was always mm-hmm. a little bit more timid. I was fine on a sales call one on one, but as soon as you got me in front of a people or an audience, that was never for me. But um, yeah, it was really just going to be something general business. I wanted to make sure that I was using my abilities to help people grow and, and scale. And yeah, so I had no idea, really. <laughs> I think that's okay. I, I, of course, it's okay. That's why I asked if you if you were someone who dreamt that way or not. And, and you did. It just wasn't defined by, you know, the boxes that adults usually like to put children in. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Which yeah. is, you know, what do you want to be so that they can start fantasizing about it? It's kind of... <laughs> 
fed to us a little bit. So I had really supportive parents as well, I should mention. Like they anything that I would have said that I wanted to try to do, they would have been all in for. Maybe even too much. But I'm very thankful Uh, for the upbringing I had. Like by no means at all what they ever feel like they were putting me in a box. They wanted me to be creative and get out there and do things. So I, I owe a lot of who I became to my mom and dad. They were fantastic uh, with raising me and my brothers. What, what did your parents do? So my dad was an entrepreneur. He was long-term in aerospace as well. And that's kind of what attracted me to the industry because when 2007 hit and the whole economy wrecked, I'm like, he's still doing good. I'm getting into that business. So, mm. And my mom, actually, she was a stay-at-home mom. She actually ran a she was a hairstylist. There's like a name for that. But anyway, she, she did all that stuff and she would do it out of the house. So people would like have appointments all day and we just kind of knew that's how it worked. But yeah, she was a stay at home mom while we were growing up. So, so was mine. Yeah. That, cool, okay. And there's something very valuable to that experience. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. And your dad was in aerospace. What did he do in aerospace? So he, I, what did he not do is the way I like to say it. Like, it's funny. He still today is in that industry. So he's always been like, CEO, president, like all those type of roles. Like he's a big time visionary. He's done sales. He's literally done everything. Like he's built companies from the ground up. I don't know how to say anything other than he's, he's absolutely a genius when it comes to that. Like he he has a photographic memory, so he's just brilliant and he's not by trade an engineer, but he can usually walk into a room of engineers and teach them things, which just blows my mind when these people did eight years of school to do what he can figure out really faster than a lot of them can. Um, so anyway, yeah, he's just, he's very brilliant. And, uh, he loves it. It's funny. He could be, he could have retired. I mean, he has at this point, he doesn't need to work, but he still just loves to. So, wow, that's fantastic. Um, one that he loves what he does so much and has the passion. I really see where that, that has been passed down to you. Yes. I, you feel like a very passionate person, uh, just in general, which is wonderful. It's, there's great energy around that. Second, I want to know your dad's name so that I can ask my dad if they've done business together. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Sanfilippo. Andy. All right. You got it. (laughs) So then also when you were, one thing I wanted to ask you when you were talking about being at the company, working in corporate and continuing to say yes to things that you thought were either interesting or would excel you and et cetera. Was there a goal you were hoping for to achieve while you were there? Like what was, what was the motivation for you? Yeah. I always wanted to get into a role that was out of the day to day. So I didn't want to do the day-to-day work anymore. I never had a problem with it. I never complained about it. But I just knew that the most value I could bring to a company is more so my ability to strategize and organize. So again, like ending up in a spot where I was controlling company company profit margins and processes. Like there was very little day-to-day work that I was doing. It was more so big picture, sitting back, mm-hmm. looking at what people were doing and evaluating it. So for me, it was always just getting, I didn't have a, like a desire to to necessarily be like the CEO or vice president or anything like that. My goal was to get to a position again where I could kind of sit back and really add the max amount of valuable, that I, valuable uh, information and help that I possibly could. And that's, I've always known that's kind of my sweet spot. That's a great spot to be in because yeah. I feel like one, it's strategy. So it's your, like you said, it's your actual sweet spot as to what you're good at. And then it, it's also a great way to free up your time. Yeah, yeah, which which was nice for me. I mean, the the last couple of years I was there, it was like bittersweet to leave to to pursue what I'm doing now full time because I've been out of it for a little bit here. But uh, I was at a spot where I, I maybe was working like just over thirty hours a week, and I mean, just like I was just in my sweet spot. Like I was in the place where I was just kind of like born to be for that organization and able to really just maximize the efforts. I was getting great. Re- actually, like the last year I was there, I got the best reviews I'd ever gotten. Not that I ever gotten wow. bad ones, but they just kept on getting better and better. I was working less and less. So it was kind of an interesting place to be. That must feel really good. Did you feel like you, you'd you reached 
like because you've reached that point, like it's it was okay to walk away. Yeah, you know, I, 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 the writing was on the walls. I was going to leave, and I've always been a firm believer that the way you start one season of your life is the way that you ended another. So I want to make sure I ended really faithfully and did the best I could. So when I left, my five departments were actually they, every single one of them was a full year ahead of their goals. So they, like we had actually like done a full, the whole next wow. year of business was complete, and we all of our numbers were met. We were actually the five top performing departments in the company. When I told my my CEO that I was leaving, his name is Paul. He was like. You're, he's like, you're leaving? He goes, Did he cry? S-? No, he didn't. He's not like that at all. He's a great guy. I'm, te- I'm teasing. <laughs> um, but he was kind of in shock. He's like, I, I've never seen like anyone doing this well and then just decide that they're out. And I, I told him, like, hey, I wanted to make sure I left you all in good hands like, and that things were doing well. And I, I trained up people and things like that. And because it was a public company, I couldn't just – it's interesting. You can't just leave and give like a two-week notice. So I gave like – I think it was a 90-day notice or something like that was as, as early as I could get out. So it's mm-hmm. just one of those things that, that I did. But – um. But yeah, so again, I left in a very faithful way because I know that that would be how I'd begin the next season as well. I love the way you phrased that. I don't know if I've heard it said that way before, but coming from entertainment, you know, when people close out, you know, shows like Seinfeld or Friends or something that's very epic, you know, the writers always want to end on that high note and you want to end when it's good and not when it, it when you like squeeze every last drop out of it for the fans and then there's just nothing left that's memorable. Right. <laughs> it's like that same for me, for me, it's like that perspective of, you know, leave on the high note. And and I align with that too, because when I left my day job, which was not not in corporate, not in aerospace, but I was good at my I was good at my job. I was working in Beverly Hills, and I also gave a ninety day notice, um, oh, maybe cool. even longer than that. It was yeah, it was about ninety days, and I just wanted to give due diligence. And it's a very hard place to get new people into and people to train. And I spent a year making sure I left the place better than I found it too. And it's just what I needed for myself to to leave in the way I wanted to leave and start my next chapter. So it was very interesting to hear you say that as well, because I don't talk about that very much from my own journey. So hearing it from yours is 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 nice and interesting. And um, of course, once again, aligned with my way of thinking. But yeah, it says a lot about you as a person, though. Like, it, it really does. Like, it shows the type of character that you have. To me, like, I, I realize now I can kind of trust you with anything. You're not going to leave it worse than you found it. Like, that's just not going to happen. You're not that type of person. So I, I appreciate the fact that you share that. I'm sure the listeners get a lot of understanding about more who you are from that as well. Well, thanks for saying that. And and I feel the same way. And, and it, it's it's the way that I felt about our interactions from the beginning. I, I was like, okay, I, I know I can trust this guy. It's why I share your name with as many people as I can, because I know someone will get something out of it just by knowing you. So we're having a, we're having a moment here. We're having so. a moment, which happens on this show. So I, I know that I also read going back to your story right before aerospace. Is this correct that you were doing real estate and you were building something up there before the crash, before the, the recession in 08? Yeah, actually, I was. So obviously, I made it through like my kid years of selling used golf balls. Like I survived it, you know, and um, a few <laughs> years later, I, I had an opportunity to because at, at that point, like. Not not to age myself. I'm I'm 33. That's not really that old necessarily. Some people might think so. I don't know how old it your is listeners not. are. It is not. Okay, cool. Um, 33 is young. Okay, cool. All right. So when I was 16, I was good on a computer. That's something else I've always been pretty good at. Like I could type, and apparently some people in those days couldn't type. So my my dad actually made an introduction to somebody who was starting like a tech company that was making virtual tours of homes. So you you may have seen some of these. It's like you go on Zillow and you can like grab the mouse and you can like circle all around the room and like yes. look at the roof and stuff. Pretty More cool, popular right? now, right? Because yeah, of COVID. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So 
we helped invent that technology. Like no one was doing that yet. And we figured out how to take pictures that you could stitch together and do all that. So it was really cool to be able to, to be part of that. And so I, I ran the whole, the whole computer side, let's put it that way. And there's another guy who was running the photographer. So he and I just partnered up. And oh. uh, I was I started hiring other people that I knew. They were all really young. It was funny. Everyone I had working with me was ages between 16 and 18 because they were just the best on the computer. So they were able to figure right. out how to, to do this. And at that time, like not that we were trying to be like ageist or anything like that, right? Like p- these are just the people who knew what they were doing. So I started and wait, using, I'm sorry. How old yeah. were you at this time? Sorry to interrupt. I was – so I started when I was 16 and I stopped when I was 18, almost 19. Oh my gosh! So between okay. those years, yeah, so very so, young. And this was this was actually like a real like it was incorporated. Like I'll, I'll just be honest here: when I was going to use golf ball thing, we did not report any of that. You know, like <laughs> but, um, nor <laughs> you were no, kids. The, it's fine. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> um, but at this point, we were actually like, had a company. Like we were actually paying taxes, doing all that. So it was a real organization. So this was my first understanding with that. Now I didn't do everything perfect. Like there was a lot of things from a taxation standpoint that I probably could have saved myself a lot more money. Like I didn't even know about writing off the computer I was buying or any of the gear. Like I never even thought about that. And sure. so those are things that now I look back, I'm like, oh, I probably could have squeezed more money out of that. Anyway, it was, it was an interesting job and I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the staff I had working for me, both on the photography side and that were in-house editors. What ended up happening was I fell in love with real estate because I, was, I wasn't going out to the shoots, but I was constantly looking and I'd, I'd ask the photographers, hey, it looks like they added that bathroom a couple of years later. Why do you think they did that? And I could see what things are selling for because we were posting straight to the MLS. We had the access and everything. So I was like looking at all these houses and I made a commitment to myself. When I turn 18, I'm going to start buying real estate because these people are making a ton of money. So I wanted to have like buy and hold was my strategy I wanted to go with. So I started that the day I turned 18. I, I had some money saved up and I, I really aggressively saved money to be able to start doing that. And I don't have to tell you what happened in 2007, 2008, but that was right after I started investing. So like I... I bought probably eight months before the crash. That was like at the highest point that there could be. So that really ruined those plans. And that's when, going back to my dad, I'm like, the industry you're in in isn't affected like what I thought I was going into. I need an aerospace job. And spoiler alert, I got the connection to get into aerospace through my dad. Like his name is what got me in. Uh, It's funny. I was like, Dad, can you get me a job somewhere? He's like, no, but you can go apply somewhere. I was like, all right. So <laughs> I went and applied, and I got a part-time receiving clerk position, which means, again, I was taking out trash and uh, breaking down boxes is what I was doing. But, hey, it got my foot wow. in the door in an industry that wasn't hurting like real estate. But it was a fun little sprint that I had there. I just couldn't foresee the future of what was going to happen. Were you missing entrepreneurship when you made that move into corporate? That's a great question, Barcy. Thank you for asking that. You know, I really wasn't because I was able to – kind of still flex those muscles. And it wasn't until right. about year 10 of that that like, I felt like I couldn't anymore. And that's because it was a private company. And then after 10 years, it turned into a public company. So okay. I used to be able to like, I was running departments along the way and things like that. And I was able to make really quick decisions. Like we'd have the idea on a Monday and by Friday, everyone was doing it. We were trying it. And then when we went big corporate. I remember the, the first thing I learned, I was actually running the sales department when we, uh, when I first, like when we first sold and we blew our goals out of the water, which in history, that was like, everyone was going to cheer your name. Like it was great. And I went and told the CEO and he's like, man, the shareholders are furious. I'm like, what? I'm like, why? And he's like, you blew the goal out of the water. I'm like, that's a good thing. And he's like, no, because we did, we gave them projections that you didn't reach, which means they could have sold our stock for more money to people oh. because, but they couldn't tell them that because you told them a different number. So anyway, 
Long story short, everything that used to take just a week to implement was now six months, sometimes a year with different things that we were looking at. And for me, that's when I lost the feel of being an entrepreneur because I was put more into a corporate box. Now, every company's goal is to get there, so it's not a bad thing. It just wasn't a fit for me because those muscles were no longer being flexed and I was really Mm -hmm. missing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does from the perspective of, hey, you need to slow down. You're too good at what you do unless you figure out how to over project. (laughs) And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And that feels scary to me, too, to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to be I'm constantly slowing down my partners um, with another venture I'm working on and going, realistically, we're not going to do this in the next 30 days. It's going to take more like six months. Okay, Um, we need to flesh out these dates differently. Just that sort of over overshooting. But all that said, I I understand it from that that idea of like, oh yeah, well, I'm glad that you're good at what you do, but you need to be a little less good at what you do so that we can, you know, tick certain boxes each month and get to the place we want to go at a different time, like when we've decided. That can feel frustrating, I'm sure, especially yeah. for a high level player. Did I explain that well, or is that no? Is that you, you did. No, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. And you're bringing back those hard feelings again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, you <laughs> explained it really well. That's exactly it. <laughs> Yeah, that that's very frustrating when you when it, to me as a creative person, it's like when I get told how to do a thing that is you know doesn't feed me and my intuition and my and my creativity and my inspiration. And as soon as that gets squashed, I'm no longer interested. I'm like, well, then I can't do this. Like, I'm sorry. Right. We're gonna have to find other people to work with because it, it doesn't feed the process for me. So. I get it from that creative perspective. And a lot of people that listen are are artists, creatives, and podcasters to the show. So I think they might relate to that. I wanted to ask you about your experience with just the recession, like losing losing sight of what you thought was going to be the next big thing. Like, what did that feel like? Yeah, it, it really... It really did a toll on me at that point in my life. I was young, but I could tell that I was becoming pretty successful even at the age of 18, 19 years old. Like I could, I could see where I was going, and it's funny. I was at, I don't know, like a dentist appointment or something like that. And this is before the days of smartphones. So like I saw a magazine, and I believe it was Forbes. I think they're the ones that have the like top thirty under thirty or most successful yeah. under thirty, whatever it is. So I picked up that magazine. I remember like at eighteen, whatever I was, or seventeen, however old I was, I looked at that and said, I want to be in here, and I believe that real estate is going to be the way I do that. And like I, I let that like create my identity in that moment. Like that's like mm-hmm. what I re- knew I wanted to do. I knew I was good at business, and that got shattered when recession hit. Like completely shattered. Like there was no chance I would do that, and it, it made me realize that I had been pretty shallow. Like yes, I have all these these gifts and these natural abilities to to be a business person, if you will, which I, I honed and improved over time. But I was wanting to use it for selfish reasons. I wanted it for me. I wanted it so people could know Alex. Like the legacy I wanted left was what I. Like what people could see me doing, right? And there's a quote that says, what we do for ourselves dies with us, but what we do for others echoes into eternity. And I was completely just me, like me, Alex. And that was the first time I had that challenge. And I'll tell you what, like me hitting rock bottom when it comes to like my financial state was the best thing that could have ever happened to me in in my life. If you would have told me that for the first like three years it happened, I would not have believed that. But over time, I started realizing that, you know what? I became a person of service and value versus a person that was seeking to serve myself during that time. So for me, it was tough, but I realized now it was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me. That's such a beautiful quote. And what an amazing realization to make 
honestly at a, at a young age because you save time honestly when yeah. we make those realizations sooner to really change our trajectory but how did you you said over time you figured it out but what got you through that what got you to that point of making those realizations because some people don't yeah no bar said it's a good it's a good question so for me it was a, a few things like i realized right when i kind of hit that that bottom point a lot of these people i'm doing air quotes here that I call friends at that point just disappeared I mean, I remember I was, I was dating a girl that ended up being very shallow. I now I realized that years later, but like she was interested in something other than me. And uh, a lot of the friends I was around, they liked me because I was successful and they were kind of doing some of the similar things. So they kind of, everyone kind of split. And that again, showed to my own character. Like I was getting myself around the wrong people. And I'll never forget. I actually got a flyer in the mail. It was for like a church that was right on the corner from my place. Like I, I recognize the address. I'm like, this has got to be like in business parks less than two miles away from my house. I'm like, I'll go to that. I haven't been to church in a long time. I'll, I'll go check that out. And uh, this, you know, desperate at this point, I'm like, I'm all in for whatever, you know, like fly, the flyer <laughs> yeah. probably could have been anything. I'm like, sure, I'll go to that. Like an acapella <laughs> group. Yes, I'm all in, you know. Um, <laughs> Thank God it was for something nice, right? and not something bad. <laughs> so I stepped into this place. And it was like a, a college slash young adult ministry. And um, people were there were my age. And I, I remember walking in feeling self-conscious because I'm like, man, these people are going to judge me if they find out I just lost like so, like I lost more money than anyone ever met at my age. Like that was my mindset walking in. Wow. And I realized really quick that the people there really cared about me because I was a human being, not because of what I had done or not done or the way that I had been. And it was really the new friends I started making that many of them have now turned into lifelong friendships. Uh, and of course, my relationship with God that I found at that point as well, that really started changing who I was at my core. And that's what made me become this person of service versus like person of uh, self-centeredness and just seeking to add value to myself. It was really the people I was around. And then my, like I said, my relationship with God that I developed at that time. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I know that's a personal story, but it's it's one I think a lot of us can relate to. And it's it's the part that a lot of us don't talk about. So we miss the the jump. Like, how do we get from A to B? Like, I get that you did it, but why did it work for you? And how did that? That's a big, that's a big shift to go from what the world tells you. We're fed that a lot, I think, in media too. It's like, right. the, you know, be the the value comes from what you do and not the value you give it's it can become muddy so i understand that a lot of us may not even see the difference at first and at times there are times it gets confusing especially being in business and creating anything we start to identify as it and it can lose its not it doesn't lose its value but it it can lose the the meaning a little bit or the connection to the why maybe that's a better way to put it yeah, that's a good way to put it. To why we're doing what we're doing versus doing it because it looks good or it's going to make me look good. or So that really helps me understand how you shifted into a why mentality is what I'll, I'll call it for now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly it. That's kind of what has led me to where I am now. And the, the, the crazy thing about all this is when I, even when I was younger, like I had a lot of money. I remember having like a, had a really nice sports car and stuff at, at 18, which most people don't have. But I look back now, and I was much less happy then than I am now with, I'm not going to say much less at this point, but for years it was much less, but I was a much happier person it's because I was living a life of service. And I just realized that that's really, that's where fulfillment really comes from. And I've, I've, for my life, that's been totally true. Maybe for some other people listening, I'd say that they don't agree with that. But for me, that has really just been a fact of my life, that the more I do to serve others, the happier I am. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I've learned that along the way myself. And I've always had that in me from a young age. It's just part of how I communicate. 
I've had to make more room for myself, actually. It's been a little bit of the opposite. But staying connected to that from a healthy standpoint has been really, really rewarding and grounding for me and for for other conversations I have for others, too. So that's part of what the podcasting is, right? It's this connection of trying to give value. And it's free, mostly. There are some paid options out there, but generally it's free. So I think this is, in general, very aligned with all of that, with the why being connected to that. So speaking of that, I'll, I'll shift gears now into podcasting a little bit because that's what this season's all about. And right. we're both we're both in that industry. And I want to just start by asking you how you decided to lean into starting your own podcast, which is called Creating a Brand. Yeah, so it was funny. Like I, I came late to the podcasting game, Barcy. I don't know like when you started listening to podcasts, but for me, it was like way later <laughs> than most people. So I remember when I first decided, like, okay, after that 10-year point of being in aerospace, I was like, all right, I think I want to transition out. And it took me a few years, and there's reasons for that. Like, I had some failed attempts along the way and some other things that just I decided to wait a little bit. But along the way, someone introduced me to a podcast. That, uh, I think it's called Side Hustle School is what it's called. Nick Loper is the one who has it. And uh, it's his podcast. It's funny I can remember his name, but not the podcast name. But anyway, I was like, man, <laughs> what is this? I'm like, this is just, like, content it's content just about like people starting businesses and like their success stories and failures. I'm like, what is this? Like, so I started listening to it and then realized, oh, there's other podcasters out there. So I really fell in <laughs> love with podcasts. I'm like, this is so cool. And it just, I kind of hit a point where I'm like, I want to, to do this. Like I want to share on a podcast as well. Like I'm learning things along the way. I might be able to add some value. And again, it wasn't like me being like, I want people to hear my name instead of their name. No, it was like, Hey, maybe, maybe I could share something that would be helpful. And that was really my introduction to it. So I just decided, you know what? I want to talk about branding. I want to talk about the art of creating a brand. So actually like launching a business, like that's what I want to get into. And so I, me being as like literal as I am, I'm not like super creative when it comes to that stuff. So I was just like, I'm going to call it creating a brand. I'm going to buy creatingabrand.com and I'm going to go with that. So that was kind of what led me into launching. And I just decided to start sharing uh, what I learned along the way and, and having people on the show that could really add some value as well. It's a really good show, by the way. And Thank you. Um, for... Yeah, it's it's I'm going I'm going to probably binge it some more um over the weekend and it's it's a good length. It's you have two uh options where there's a 5 minute and there's a is it 5 minutes on Thursdays and full yep. length on Tuesdays? Is that's that right? it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, which is great. And uh I I'm experimenting with that right now of a 5 minute episode that comes out on Thursdays as well. I've been enjoying them by the way. So I, I oh, like that you're doing that. You. I've been enjoying I appreciate it. appreciate that. That's an experiment. But I love that one is very fulfilling for me right now for the same reasons of it being short and being just provoking. If anyone's wondering what that is, it's the small shifts question asking one. And I did a, I did a poll and people wanted to ask themselves a question. So that's what we went with. And I've been enjoying that myself. But I love that you have five minute episodes. People like to be able to just pop in for a minute and get some value and then stay tuned for the full length, which is only 30, 35 minutes as well. I right. think that's very digestible. I listened, get just getting ready in the morning, like doing brushing my teeth and washing my face and whatever. And it's like a nice way to, to feel intentional while you're doing something that is just habitual. So I, I just appreciate your format. All that said, creating a brand. I I know you were starting a business, but why creating a brand? Because we, I mean, business, you could talk about you could focus on so many different parts of that, especially in the beginning, where it feels like, okay, there's a million things going on. Do you feel like that is the one and maybe first priority when starting out? Or just, just I just want your perspective on that. Like why, why you chose that? Yeah. So for me, it was a lot of a lack of experience. Let's put it that way. That's <laughs> why I started there. <laughs> um, I, I think the best thing that people can do is just 
start where they are. Like you don't need a show. You don't need a focus initially. You need to just start putting things out there and see what sticks. Like yes. do your, do your yes, best yes, yes. to get out there, right? I mean, I, I can tell you're excited about that. You're passionate about that. That's how you feel as well because the truth is like my podcast has done, a, has done pretty good and it's part of it's just for me like getting it out there. People have always known I'm a business person so it's kind of helped out a little bit along the way but I would have been better off just shooting quick little videos on Instagram or on LinkedIn and seeing like what topics stuck and maybe narrowing it down to something a little bit more focused. For me, it was just, hey, I, I want to do this, so I'm going I'm to give it a shot. But I think the advice I give to somebody is start where you are with what you have. Don't go out creating something brand new. Just see what you can do today to make some impact and, and do your best to be intuitive and understand, okay, this is what I'm doing that people are re- receiving. They're receptive to it. And then you can really start honing in and, and build things around that. I like that. So through that, though, you've stuck with it which you could have pivoted. You could have been like, all right, I tried this and I am going to hone in more now. And it's now going to be kind of this. What's the evolution been like for you? And why did we stick with creating a brand? Yeah. So again, my my show did do pretty good when I launched it. And I think that was just for my own network that had built up over time. And so I I knew that it would would stick pretty well. And who knows, someday I may still rebrand it. But right now it's done really well being the type of show that it is. Uh, some people would have probably rebranded, but for me, I just decided to keep it that way. Uh, I have gotten better at what I share on the podcast. So they used to be longer episodes. Not that there's anything wrong with longer episodes, but for me, it just didn't work. And and also, like they weren't quite focused on new stage entrepreneurs. So people that are like beginning level, just getting started. Like, that's really who I speak to now and make sure the topics relate really well to those people. I wasn't doing as good of a job with that either. So it's just been me trying to learn that along the way without changing the name of the show, if you will. But the focus has gotten more and more on that early stage entrepreneur. I love that. Well, well obviously, I relate to that because right, my show is called <laughs> People Begin. It's all about yep. starting. <laughs> yep. Start, get started, just do your thing, and then you'll figure the rest out as you go. But you have to give yourself space to have an experience to learn from. And you know, sometimes it's just taking that one step, like creating one episode. Maybe you don't even air it. Maybe you just make it and then see what you think and then make another one. So I, I appreciate that process. And I'm I'm curious, what what's the one thing that you feel is the most valuable you've learned through this process? So it took me a long time to actually launch the show. And I did a good job on my launch, but it, it w- didn't take the nine months that I took to do it. Like <laughs> there was no reason <laughs> for it to take that long. <clears throat> so I think what I would share with people that I think is really valuable is to to remember that you're in this to serve others. Like if you have the right heart, you're in it to help somebody else. Like why we should be producing a podcast. And I believe that really Seth Godin has been like a great example for this. He talks about shipping creative work and he calls everything we do a practice. If you don't ship it, which means if you don't release it to the internet, it's not serving or helping anybody. And so if you really believe that I'm doing this for other people, not for myself, if you can have that mindset, you're going to get it out there as quickly as you can. Now, I'm not telling you to like exclude excellence or trying to do things great. But here's the thing. If you're chasing perfection, you could be chasing that the rest of your life and it's never going to actually happen. At the end of the day, the best thing you can do, if you know you have a message that's going to help somebody, get it out there as early, as quick as possible and consistently as you can. And that's, again, that's really me what adds the value. People will forgive you for lack of quality if the content itself is good and is actually helpful. I agree. And I think the transparency helps too in just saying, you know, like just just having a real authentic a shield down type conversation with people and saying, you know, like we're, we're, we're trying to get better at this or the, the, you know, there's, there's stuff we couldn't figure out how to edit out that you might hear, or, you know, like people will, will, will dismiss that if, if you're being honest about the, the process that you're in, 
my episode went out super late yesterday because my computer crashed and uh, I just I just jumped on social media and told people and I got a lot of wonderful supportive responses from that that I was not expecting mm-hmm. and that was a really nice nice thing because as someone who owns a production company I often trip myself out thinking everything needs to be perfect that comes out of me and that's just completely against everything I preach and it just happens it's part of being human right so anytime yeah. I can check myself and go, hey, it's okay, <laughs> this isn't going the way you had hoped, but stuff happens, you know? Yeah, Varsity, that's such an important point. I just want to weigh in on something for a second there, what you just said there. People like to see the human element of what we're doing. At the end of the day, if someone wants to follow a big brand, they're going to go follow Disney or Netflix. or like one of these, If they want to see a production, they're going to go see that. But more than ever, people are starved for human connection online and offline, like either way. So people want to actually see, is there a human behind this? Like this looks like something that is built by machines, by robots. Like when you watch Disney or something like that, or you go to any of these like channels that have like really highly produced things, right? Or TV shows, even audio, you can tell that like there's a whole system behind that. But when you're over here saying, hey, I'm producing this, sorry, it's late, something went wrong. People are like, wow, there's a human running that. And I can relate to that because I'm also a human. People are really wanting that more and more. As a matter of fact, early on in my podcast, I used to edit out every pause, every um, every you know, everything that like didn't fit perfectly. And I stopped doing that. And I've gotten better feedback since I've done that because people say that it, it sounds like a real conversation that's happening. And more than ever, people, are, they're longing for that. Like we all are. I mean, last year was, was rough on everybody. And having a human connection is something that people just will, I think, for all of eternity at this point, long for more and more. So if you can show a human element of what you're doing, I think that that ultimately is your brand. And I think that that's how you can do well in, in podcasting or in anything that you do is show people your journey along the way. Don't pretend like you're some expert or perfect. If you are, great, but show people the process of you getting there. Sorry, I went on yes. a rant there. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, that's so, it's, speaking of brands, that's so on brand. <laughs> because. Right. We're talking about process. We're talking about, you know, getting out of our own way to, to, to show up for other people and for ourselves. Honestly, I, I do one thing to add to the, um, the value conversation in doing it for others. I think that's very motivating. And I also think though, we really have to understand why we're doing it for ourselves as well, or we, we can get lost in, in the value piece when it's one direction only. I do think it needs to go both ways where we need to know why we're doing the thing yes. and how it's fulfilling ourselves too. And I know you know that and you mean that, but I, I just want to make it clear for the listener that that, that is the other piece to the puzzle of, of keeping it going. It's a great way to start and to get out of our own way, especially to make it about giving it, giving it to someone. That, that, that's actually one of the techniques for creatives when I do coaching with people is to dedicate it to someone. Like, what if you did this for someone special in your life? How does that change the process for you? And it immediately changes the way we, we think about what we're doing. We, it's so much easier to get out of our own way and do it for this person. But to keep going, I think we really need to understand what we love about the process and what we love about what we're creating. And that will keep you in the game. And it sounds like you really love what you do from, from every step of the way, every story you've told so far. I see, I hear and I feel the, the passion of, of what it is that you love. And part of that is a huge part of that I'm hearing is just the value part. You love giving value to others. Yeah, I, I do. I, I also enjoy making a profit as well, though. <laughs> like I, I do. And I, I think you bring up an important point. Like I, I'm adding value. Yes, because I'm in my lane. I'm where I can serve people. But at the same time, you've got to be charging for that. 
for a couple reasons. One, people only value what they have some sort of buy-in with. Uh, I learned this the hard way of, for a while I was doing some personal training and the people that I was, this was just like a side hobby, like this was never a job, but just for fun, I was doing personal training. The people I do it for for free would come back a week later and be like, oh, I didn't try anything you said. I'm like, yep. okay. And the people I was charging $100 or whatever it was to, to do this, they'd come back and be like, okay, I did everything you say, what's next? And I realized at that moment, I'm like, wow, I'm selling myself short because I'm serving people in a way I know how to. But if I give it to them, they're not going to take it seriously. So the first thing is like the law of buying. People have to have some ownership in it. And if you're serving people and doing well and you found that sweet spot, you should be able to maybe not do it full time, but to some extent make some sort of profit from it. People are not I'm not as scared to pay for things as you think if they feel that it adds value to their lives. Uh, yes. then that's like true with anything. If you look at how much streaming services cost these days, it's ridiculous how much you spend every year on these things. But no one bats an eye at it because they feel it adds value to their lives. They like it. If it was free, mm-hmm. they'd probably be happier. But like, no one's like made a fuss about, can you believe how much Netflix costs this month? Like, No one's saying that. <laughs> if they feel that it adds some sort of value for them, it helps them feel comfortable or at home to relax, whatever it might be. It's the same probably for whatever anyone is doing. You can find a way to monetize what you're doing. It's important to do that because, one, it serves you, but it also serves the other person because it gives them some form of buy-in with it. Yes, it's accountability, especially with a service-based yeah. industry, like what you're describing with um, training or any anything that's service-based, especially, I think, the person on the other end will be more accountable for themselves. You're giving them more value by charging them in that case because they're going to they're gonna show up differently. Like you said, they're going to buy in to their own experience differently if they physically have to buy in. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just to spin it from their perspective. And then you're right. It's the person who's giving the service. You deserve to value that, too. You know, we deserve to value our own services and understand the worth that we're giving. That's hard for people to do. It is. That's a whole nother. Yeah. That's like a that's like episode part two of this. Right. But we should talk about that at some point. Understanding the difference between what you're worth and what your services are valued at because they're separate. And what you do does not define your worth. You already are worthy. You were born worthy. The end. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think that you said that beautifully. I think that so many of us, we have this imposter syndrome that kicks in or we just, we we feel guilty about it. You shouldn't. At the end of the day, you need to know that you're worth something. And like you said, we're all born with that value and we were born to help and, and to serve others, but you should be able to make money in the process of doing that. So I understand that pricing can be tough for people to understand. It can it can feel a little intimidating when you're going to charge somebody, but you'll be shocked when you do this. You'll you'll be shocked how many people are willing to pay, probably more than you're even asking. But don't sell yourself short is what I tell everyone listening. Make sure that you really think about for yourself, how can you serve you in the process as well? Because you can't take care of yourself. You can't take care of other people. 100%. Yeah. You need space to actually do that. Give that give that value you know self-care is a big part of that too for us and sometimes the self-care is monetization yes thank you for bringing that up because i think it's important and last but not least i want to ask you one more question what is the one takeaway you would like someone to have from this conversation today yeah so i think that's really important to remember that your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room i think that's like the most beautiful way to say like what a brand is it's not your logo it's not all the products and services that you have. It's not having a robust blog or social media or anything like that. At the end of the day, it's what people are saying about you. And they can only say something about you if they know you. So you want to make sure that as, as Barcy and I have been talking about all along here is share your story. Share who you are. Show that authentically. The better you can do that, the more you can show up for people, 
the right people will find that and they'll be attracted to it because they might have a similar story or realize that, oh, what this person's been through would really help me with what I'm going through now. The more you can transparently share, the better. And I'm, I'm not telling you, like, put all your crazy stuff like family drama and stuff on the internet unless of course it makes sense and that's like the brand that you want to create but make sure that you're getting out there an authentic way that people can see what you have going on for me with podmatch it's been a huge success along the way but at no point have i said look how big this company is i've said man i really struggled today because i got some like a lot of bad feedback back to back like i'll post that online i've written blog posts about it, about like how it made me feel and how like i don't usually get depressed but really like upset me and i had to take a break like, I'll share things like that. I'll share the wins. Be like, wow, I can't believe this happened. In my wildest dreams, I never saw this happening, right? And I know I'm ranting here a little bit, but the point is this. You've got to make sure that you get out there and authentically share who you are and what you're creating. Because when people see that, that's what they're going to grab onto. So remember, when people are in a room and they see you walk in or out, what are they saying about you? And what do you want them to say about you? Really think about that and focus in on that and do your best to begin sharing it. Thank you for that. Yes, it's a wonderful teaser for tomorrow's episode, which we're going to dive into more of, of the practical part of what is creating a brand. How do you get started? What's the checklist? So um, if you want more about that, listen to tomorrow's episode, which is uh, going to be much shorter, probably about 10 minutes or so. And uh, we'll dive into that further. So I just want to say thank you, Alex, for joining me and, and having this wonderful conversation and sharing all the value to today. Yeah, thank you so much, Barcy. I really enjoyed this. Yay, thank you. Thank you for listening to Be Bold Begin. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so as not to miss an episode. So the best way to ensure you get all the new episodes is by subscribing. Help us build a positive community by joining the Facebook group, also called Be Bold Begin. I'll be checking it daily to answer and acknowledge any of your questions and comments. Stay positive and safe out there.